Welcome to episode 57 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about an awesome discovery while I talk about something that isn't quite so happy. And for once, we both chose adorable picks for this week's category. Our first animal of the week for Europe is an interesting little one that I just love the name of. And we have major struggles with our challenge today. So let's get to it. Episode 57 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. to episode 57 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. <laughs> and today, we're going to talk about a whole new batch of animals. Also, I should mention that we sort of have a third co-host <laughs> Casey's saying hi to right now. Um, Tiger Lily is once again with us because she refuses to leave the room. So I do apologize if there are noises and distractions throughout because she has decided she's not leaving and she's staying with us this whole process. So... There we go. Anyway, but uh, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? So recently I went snorkeling mm-hmm. with my little sister. Okay. We were looking for sharks because literally just a few days before was the story about like huge gatherings of leopard sharks in La Jolla. I remember seeing that, yeah. And we went there and saw nothing. Of course. <laughs> and I was pissed Oh. because I, f- I saw a California sheephead. It's one of my favorite local fish species. Mm-hmm. I thought I was get my sister, she was tired, and so I just had her give me the GoPro, and I tried filming it. I could have sworn I was recording, but apparently I wasn't, so I don't have video, video. or pictures of it, and I'm pissed. That stinks. Yep. And I'm trying to remember, not this time, but the time before, I saw a spiny lobster. Right. I did get video one. of that one. That's cool. I haven't seen any of these videos. Yep. Trying to, th- there was also this one big fish. I can't remember what kind it was, but it was perfectly fine being close to us. And my sister at one point yelled "shark," not the most recent time, but the time before. Yeah. And I think it was one of those because she wasn't wearing her Bottles. snorkeling gear or looking down, so she's just like looking through the surface. So it was probably just that. But there was a um, guitar fish. That's cool. Yeah, I like guitar fish. So how deep is it where you usually go snorkeling? Um, probably less than 10 feet. Oh, wow. Maybe 12 feet. Is there like a good time of year that you go or is it kind of all year? Now. <laughs> oh. Because this is when all the sharks, um, leopard sharks come into La Jolla to give birth. So how clear is the water right now? Is it really like... It depends day by day. Okay. Because last we went, this most recent time we went, turbid as shit, very cloudy. Okay. Like, so overcast whole time just like a few seconds of sunlight and then after that it was perfectly clear and i could see very well but that was like literally for just a few seconds and then darkness so if it's overcast it also doesn't work out does it have to be sunny for the water because it's isn't more like just the stuff getting turned up in the water so it's all cloudy yeah that's turbidity is from again it can be from river systems and just from wave action stirring up all the sediment and then it gets really cloudy and then you won't really see well, although sharks tend to like those conditions. Of course they do, yeah. Um, yeah, and then overcast too, um, it just makes it annoying trying to when you're up at the surface looking down. It's like, 
because there's also a ton of sargassum, which is this kelp that's not native to the Pacific. And <laughs> so it's not like really big, like our giant kelp here. But so when the, it's moving with the current, it kind of moves in the way a shark does. Mm. It's like, and I'm just staring. It's like, is that a shark or is it just more seaweed? <laughs> Most of the time it's just seaweed, which is like why I like going over the seagrass. Because it's very noticeable if you see a shark over seagrass, but they're very rarely over the seagrass. Oh, okay. But yeah. Some days you can go out and you like there's people literally just not even waist deep and you're seeing leopard sharks. That's cool. And then other times you go and see nothing. Hmm. But yeah, it can be hit or miss. How much are GoPros? GoPros? I have no clue. We got I got mine for Christmas. Okay. Um, I'm just feeling like if I'm going to start doing that, I feel like I need to invest and get a GoPro. Yeah. And like, then I wish we had suit. our GoPro when we saw the sea turtles. Why do you not have the GoPro every time? No, like we didn't oh, have didn't a GoPro have yet when you, we went and you. saw the sea turtles. I was like, anytime I go snorkeling, I would but always yeah, bring we... a GoPro. Is she rubbing against you? Um, yeah, she was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we didn't have the GoPro back then. I really wish it was. They were so cute. Um, I've never seen sea turtles since. Um, that last time I was really so, I'm so pissed about the freaking sheep head because I've never, I've seen tons of fish, tons of times see Garibaldi, mm -hmm. different kinds of rockfish all the time, but I've never seen a California sheep head and it's going to be like the sharks all over again and I never <laughs> see them. <laughs> so when you go out snorkeling too and you're, and you have your, um, your flippers with you too, mm -hmm. do you do the stingray shuffle in your flippers? Yeah. How do you move after that? I, feel like I you would put get on my flippers yeah. and I walk backwards into the ocean. Oh. And that's how you do the shuffle. Because otherwise I feel like you would just get stuck. Yeah. Hmm. Like okay. if you turn around and then start doing it, it's like you'll, it'll bend real easily yeah. due to the waves coming in. But yeah, you have to walk backwards. Okay, until you're swimming and then yep. you don't care about it anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. But one time, funny, one of the funniest times I went was when we never saw any sharks, but there were a ton of baby Round stingrays. That sounds adorable, though. Yes, they're so cute. My I, sister was having a panic attack. I want though. to see them. I don't want them to be surrounding me, but I want to mm -hmm. see them. Do they? I'm assuming they sting just as much as the yeah, adults, they can right? sting. So that would suck if there were a bunch of them and you yeah, just got. But you into. can like pet a stingray, and as long as you don't like put pressure down it, it won't. Yeah. Like a stinger. I just don't want it to like you know not realize there's one behind me, and then I accidentally kick it, and then I mm -hmm. get stung. Are you, am I just imagining things? Okay. Yeah. I'd be much more afraid if I found out there were a bunch of jellyfish in the area. Like, I remember when I was a little kid and there were just these blooms of jellyfish um, when we used to go down to Coronado a lot. Hmm. Okay. Well, we still have to do a field trip to the tide pools and we still have to do a field trip. Now I want to go with snorkeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're going to be in the area until about December. Oh, they're here for a while. Yeah. Sweet. It's just August, September are the better are ones. Are the best ones to do it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to probably try I mean, again in like a week or so. I did get birthday money, so I'm kind of like <laughs> tempted to get a wetsuit and a GoPro. Yeah. But I also have debt. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, mm. it's kind of like, I mean, it's more fun to spend your birthday money on something fun, but. Yeah. And like, it's an investment that I've used, but still debt. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? And she's over there going to make noise. Cool. Awesome. Anyway, well, that sounds super cool. Um, what else? Is that it? I also to went to the zoo recently. How with, was that? It was fun. I went with my mom because she, like, never gets to go. Okay. Um, and I think, she, yeah, she got her new pass, which 
I believe is the one you have. Oh, sure. Yeah, she did. Fancy, expensive one. Yes. Okay. Um, so she was able to bring one of my sisters, and then I still have my pass to bring in someone free. So I brought in my other sister. And it was fun. We got to see the tiger swimming in the water. I've never seen that. Yeah. Ever. Actually, mm-hmm. way back in the day at the park when they had the old enclosures, mm-hmm. occasionally I've seen them in there. But yeah. I have never seen them since. Yeah, I've and never it was funny because there's like this, you know, like how the bark is on like palm trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of those things in there. It was playing with that and pulled well, it. I'm so jealous. Did, I want to see It was see a this. really good day. Um, I also got the jaguar was out and they left like snacks out for him. Mm-hmm. So he was very active. Um we were. It was funny because when we first got there, the lions weren't doing anything, but my mom was over there watching them. Yeah. And eventually they got up, and I wasn't paying attention because I was looking at the jaguar. Yeah. But the reason why we're staying there waiting for so long was because um, they were out with the bobcat and uh, putting out, cleaning up the elephant enclosure and putting out food for them. So. And we're okay, when you said food. the bobcat, I thought like an actual bobcat because <laughs> you're at a zoo, Casey. <laughs> he means the like tractor bobcat. Yeah. Okay. Um. And they were putting out food, and they were putting out some food by the water. And my mom was hopeful that they w- the younger ones that are there now um, might go into the water. They didn't, because um, she'd never seen the elephant swimming in person. At the park, either? Mm-mm. Dude, that happens a lot at the park. I know. She, my mom's cutest, a jinx. <laughs> I guess. She should just go. Yeah. Oh, she's not retired, though, is she? No. Yeah, I would say she should just go and just camp out there for a while. Because in the <laughs> summer, they'll do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, well, that's cool. I, I haven't been to the zoo in a while. I should go down there at some point soon. I'm also confused how it's going to work because obviously with, like, the past that we have, that she and I have, you get to bring your guest on priority boarding with you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you use your, like, you know, one-day passes, you get to use those people too. But then it'd be weird if you go in with other people and then you can't get priority boarding for the rest of your party, yeah. you know what I mean? Like... Two of us get a go, <laughs> but the others don't. Yeah. Um, please stop making. You're about to jump and make noise. Do it, Tiger. Little brat. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but that's cool. I definitely want to go to the zoo yeah. again. I haven't been in a while. It was nice to go to the park just because I haven't been able yeah. to go. Also, we got to see the pole bear swimming, too. Nice. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Did he... It was so funny because there's, like, this one little rock um, next to the glass. He was sitting there with his paws up eating a carrot. That's adorable. It was so cute. There was one day I went and he, they must have put food in between two of the boulders mm-hmm. that are on the back part where the water is because he kept going in there constantly. Like yeah. he'd like dig and like stuff. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, they used to always have like a stricter schedule and for the, when they gave them their bones, mm-hmm. uh, because I remember we would always go up like around three or four and they would toss these bones into the water and they just go. That'd be cool. Splash into the water and get their I want to see that. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that, and I've never seen them use the interactive wall. No, neither have I, ever. But I don't go yeah. to the zoo as much, either. Mm-hmm. There was a time where I was going to the zoo more, but not for forever. Mm-hmm. We have to go to the zoo or park again soon. I'd say the zoo at this point, because I've done the park twice mm-hmm. in a week. <laughs> Which I still want to go. Also, I feel like with this new pass, now that I'm basically paying to bring... I'm not basically. I am paying to bring people in with me. Uh. I feel like I have to bring at least... 10 trips of bringing someone yeah. with me. Me and my sister, are like, whenever it. we get passes for anything, we're like, okay, how many times do we have to go to make this exactly, worth it? Exactly, yeah. And, like, what benefits, like, and how many times it, um, we have to use it to make the upgrade worth it? 
Exactly. That's why when I was deciding on the passes, I was like, I'm going to try this one this year and we'll see. Mm-hmm. It is nice having the priority boarding for like the tram in the summer when it's crowded. That is nice. Oh, yeah. And priority parking if it's actually a thing that exists. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we'll see. It just stinks because, you know, we used to pay what we used to pay to get someone in free. So now it's like you're paying an additional $150 yeah. to get someone in free, plus a couple other benefits. So anyway, we'll see. But I figure I have to bring at least 10 people for it to be worth it this mm-hmm. year, which I haven't had to do in the past. Because also, I really like going alone. I don't know about you. I used to when I like went to school and worked down in the area. But it's like a 40-minute commute. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm there. That's to, true. To um, go by myself. And it's like, no. Yeah, and I prefer doing the park on my own versus the zoo on my own. Yeah. Like, they're both nice, but I prefer the park. But anyway, it's okay. Like, or I could go on the apps. It's like, hey, want to go on a date to the zoo? <laughs> I love that, too. You can be like, well, we'll do this. It's free. Except now it's not. I'm very much paying to bring people. Anyway. Until October, I think, for me. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure. You don't want to be there in October anyway. That's the free kid month. That sounds like they're giving out a free kid when you go, but I mean, kids get <laughs> That'd be free. awful. <laughs> Nobody wants a free kid. <laughs> like, I'm not going. Um, that's when There's kids get adoption free. fees when you adopt a kid, right? Or is it, am I wrong? I don't know how it works. Adoption is very expensive for kids. Well, like, I know. For, for actual like, human children, yes. Adoption is very expensive. Well, like... <laughs> I'm like trying to think of, is it like when we adopt a cat it's and there's not, an adoption fee? They do a home check. <laughs> <laughs> there's very much an adoption fee. I don't think they call it an adoption fee, though. <laughs> but adoption is very expensive. <laughs> wow. Good job. I'm are you are it. you going to pay an adoption fee to get a child? Hell no. Okay. It's like, I tell my parents, like, our line ends with us because, like, I don't see my brother having kids. I don't really see either of my sisters, too, and it's like, oh, for sure, Elle ain't. You're like, you're not doing it. I'm surprised that of four of you, nobody wants kids, though. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I mean, well, you do, you, you all do you, but. Yeah, I don't, I like, I would have to talk to them again, but I don't think any of us really have any aspirations for having kids. <laughs> well, you'll have more money. <laughs> yeah. Like, me you and my sister travel. are more, like, ourselves and career-oriented. Mm-hmm. My brother, I don't know. I think he's mainly worried that he'll, he'll, they'll end up like him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, uh... That's fun. Anyway, Dark Times on the Animal Addicts podcast. <laughs> um... I actually do want kids, but mm-hmm. um, they're expensive, and I can't afford to take care of myself yet, let alone a child. So, you know. Anyway, I hope they're expensive is the most <laughs> it's, it's most difficult part. Kids are expensive. But child care is, like, a serious issue. It's, mm-hmm. like, such a pain. Like, you have to have one person not work to do the child care, or you have to have someone work who's literally just working to pay for child care, mm-hmm. unless you both make good money, which is usually not the case. Yeah. Anyway, moving along. Um, speaking of kids, I have a fur baby. Baby. Who we have seen today a lot. Um, she's behind the window. She, oh, she she heard you talking about her. She's gonna she's gonna come out and make noise now. Hi, Tiger Lily. Anyway, so I was watching this video and like the idea makes sense, but I was like, this has got to be crazy. So she hates getting her nails trimmed, mm-hmm. as most cats do, and their suggestion is to bite their scruff like their mom would. I've seen this. Yes. <laughs> so first I was like, it makes sense because you scruff them and they kind of like chill a bit. But I can't grab her scruff and trim her nails at the same time because you got to like squeeze it to get the nail to come out. Anyway, plus her quicks are so long, so I can't trim back very far. 
which is very frustrating. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to try it. So she's also shedding really bad right now. So I try to like move a lot of fur and then I scrubbed it and then put it in my mouth. It works, Casey. It works. <laughs> Except for the fact the only problem is since your head is here and the cat's face is right here, it's very difficult to see the nails. Yeah. <laughs> so, but theoretically, if I could see the nails, she actually held still. So I was like, I'm shocked. Wow. So, folks, if you can see the nails, at least for the front feet, you can kind of do it. Um, if you bite, I mean, don't bite hard, but you just pick up the scruff and stick it in your teeth. They, uh, she actually sat still. I was shocked. <sighs> I was shocked. Anyway, so there you go. Cat nail trimming trick. Yep, now bite their scruff. I'm, like, trying to think is, like, I don't know why the thought randomly came to me, but, like, I'll, like, I've always seen, I don't think any cat has, like, dark nails like a dog would. Mm, I haven't seen one with dark nails. And it's, like, do most dogs have, like, really dark claws, or is that... A lot of dogs just, have white okay. nails. Because yeah. back when I used to have to do nail trims, I hated it when we had ones that had black nails. Yeah. Because my last dog, he was Sheltie Shepherd Mix, and he had black claws. I like, feel like it's kind of a half and half. Mm-hmm. Because I know when I'd have to do nail trims, a lot of times we would get white nails, so I like that a lot better. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times there's black ones, so I'm always like, I want to grind, not trim. Yeah. <laughs> Although, it's weird, but one of the satisfying videos I like to watch is when, like, people are doing, like, working on the nails of, like, hoofstock. <laughs> Making it nice and... Yeah. yeah. I had to do that back when I took a veterinary science class in high school. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I also gave vaccinations. Was it for goats. horses or? Goats. Oh, okay, goats. Okay. Yep. Cool. We also did ultrasounds. That's fun. I didn't. I got to watch them do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I All right. Well, um, we should probably move on into the yep. things that we wanted to talk about. I yes. feel like she wants to leave now, but I know if I walk over there. What is on your face? I don't think that's your marking. What did you get on your face? <laughs> you have something on your face. Come here. <laughs> what is on your nose? That's not part of your markings. What is that? If I get up, she's going to run. Yeah. I want to see what's on your face, and I want to open. Yep, there she goes. Okay. I need yep. you to come over here so I can get that off your face. Plus, it's just God. dust or something. Anyway, okay. Let's try that again. <laughs> no, that we're keeping it real. That's unedited. Extended. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak. Extended edition. Yeah. Anyway, but let's talk about the things we want to talk about. Yes. Um... And yours, I think, is happier, so that's good. Sort of. Um, take it away, Casey. What do you yes. want to talk about today? Science. So Yay, cool science. science. This time it's more paleontology related, but it's cool. Okay. So in Siberia, a cave lion um, mm -hmm. cub, and the scientific their scientific name is Panthera spelea, okay. um, was discovered in permafrost in Siberia and is approximately 28,000 years old. It's crazy. Yes. The cub is so well preserved that you can see all of her whiskers. That's insane. Yes. And the Sweden scientists have named the cub Sparta <laughs> and are claiming that she is the most well-preserved uh, Ice Age animal yet discovered. Wow. Along with her whiskers, the teeth, skin, soft tissue, and even organs have remained intact by being mummified. Wow. Yep. This is the fourth cave lion cub that has been recovered from the permafrost in Yakutia. Uh, she was discovered by a resident of the air who was hunting for mammoth tusks. How do you hunt for mammoth tusks? Apparently people in you the air... You look for mammoth tusks. You don't go out hunting for it. So, <laughs> they're called... Uh, like, like a treasure hunter? 
kind of something like that, but apparently, like, it'll go out into the permafrost area, and, like, it gets thawed out, and people look out for ancient ivory from yeah. mammoth tusks. You were looking or you were scavenging? That isn't hunting. It's hunting. They want to sound fancy. You're <laughs> not fancy. You're scavenging. Well, it's the funny thing is, like, people make fun of the term, but there's, like, a term called fossil hunting and poaching. Because there is an illegal trade of fo- for fossils. Really? Yes. Like one, um, especially for like vertebrate fossils, specifically dinosaur fossils, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of regulations regarding it. Um, if you find one, you have to report it to authorities um, because they're very rare. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. And like one of, a good example, which has made a mess in scientific community, is um, Raptorex. Um, it's this, I believe it's a tyrannosaur that, no, it's not a tyrannosaur, but it's this dinosaur found, I believe somewhere in Asia, but it was found by illegal fossil hunters. So when scientists finally got a hold of it, they had no idea about its actual location of discovery. So they don't know the exact time period is found or the area. Oh, I see. Okay. And so its legitimacy is questioned (laughs) in... So that's one instance. Because the most important information in paleontology is the location of your fossil. That was something that was drilled into me when I took my paleontology course. But, like, if you found a fossil on your property, Mm -hmm. so I guess you still have to report it, but, like, it's Depends on the kind of fossil. Let's say it's a dinosaur fossil. Then not the case. But, like, it's on my property, so I should get to keep it. Not according to the government. <laughs> it's on my property, so it's mine. No. <laughs> like, you can take a look at it, but, like, it's mine. Yeah, and it varies from state to state and from country to country. Like, there's even a show on Discovery. Might be Discovery Plus even now. Um, I think Dino Hunters or something like that. But basically, ranching is, like, struggling business for their property and stuff like that. In order to save it, what some ranchers have done is they go out and collect fossils on their property and they are selling it to either private collectors which i really wish they didn't do (laughs) or museums and stuff like that right and like there's like one famous one where these two dinosaurs were locked in combat that was found on somebody's ranch it still has not been sold because he's asking so much for it that's crazy yeah yeah that's just so a little fact about um Fossil poaching, which mm-hmm. is actually a thing. Did not know that was a thing. We learned something new every day. Yes, and there actually a Supreme Court ca- uh, court case over, um, I believe it was Sue, uh, the most well-preserved T-Rex fossil ever found. She was seized by the government and then was auctioned off. Thankfully, it went to a museum. It went to a different museum from the one it was originally. It was seized in. by the government by the person who found it on their property, and then they auctioned it so off. So it was not found on their property. The museum got it from. They bought it from this couple. Okay. Who where it was on their property. Okay. And then they claimed in a court case that they were lying about like the value of like whatever they're purchasing it, and then um, it, there was also problems with some native tribal laws. And then the federal government said, because it was found on federal property, it was just a whole mess. <laughs> it's like basically saying that it belonged to the feds and it eventually went to court and the feds basically won pretty easily. And then it got auctioned off, thankfully bought by a museum. Uh, but several, one of the persons went to jail for a couple of years for it. 
Wow. Yeah. This is crazy. Yes. There's a whole documentary on it. I cannot remember it. I have to look it up now. Okay. But yeah, it was very interesting. All right. But this and little... I recognize the paleontologist too. <laughs> it's like, I know. It's like, oh my God, I never knew this. How did I never know this? Because you've seen them in other... Yes, I've seen them in ton like a bunch of um, other documentaries I've watched too. I was like, I never knew this. <laughs> uh so they keep finding cubs, though. They don't find adult lions? No, they haven't. As far as I know, they haven't found an adult. Hmm. But yeah, they found cubs. Interesting. Mm hmm So, yeah, so the resident was looking for mammoth tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and one reason for her discovery is due to climate change thawing the permafrost, which has resulted in longer seasons for people to go out hunting for ancient remains of animals. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And people in the region typically search for remains of mammoths, but have also turned up remains of other ancient animals, including molar rhinos, wolves, bears, horses, bison, and more, with some of them being as old as 40,000 years old. Hmm. And Sparta was discovered back in 2018, and the year prior to her discovery, another cave lion cub was discovered who was named Boris. Okay. He was damaged due to the collapse of permafrost when they discovered him. Hmm. Um, they are both very young at the time of their death. They are estimated to be only about one to two months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Boris was also in the same proximity as Sparta and was discovered only 15 meters away from her location. Do they? Oh, but they think they're not the same. They are not. Time. Period no, at all. not at all. Boris is about 15,000 years older. Wow, weird. Mm -hmm. So it must just be a popular spot. For them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they think it was that area was a prime habitat for ancient large fauna. Huh. Interesting. Yes. And their discoveries are very valuable to scientists, as very little is known about cave lions, since most information comes from fossils, tracks, and cave art. And these mummified specimens are incredibly rare. Can they tell at all how they died from it? Um, not. Probably not, because you they, can't go yeah. into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Actually, at the La Brea Tar Pits Museum in um, L.A., they have a model of the frozen mammoth um, that was also discovered in permafrost. And I've looked at that model. I've also seen video of these cubs. It's really it's very fascinating how just how well-preserved she is. Hmm. As like, I heard about the whiskers, and it's like, I have to see this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can see the whiskers. They have pictures on the article? Yeah, there's, a, oh, nice. there's actually a video. Cool. Yeah. So we'll be posting that, obviously, mm -hmm. linking that. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Cool. Mm -hmm. And these specimens show that cave lion was very similar to modern lions, but much larger and had a thicker fur coat. Okay. Because Siberia. Mm -hmm. But as far as we know, they lack the modern manes that lions have. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And their coats are a yellowish-brown color, but researchers think they that as they matured, it would have turned into a light gray color, which would aid in camouflage. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Yes. And more research is being done into whether or not the species had a mane, which is only loosely supported by some cave art that has dark markings on the face. Hmm. Okay. If manes were present on the species, it may indicate possible social structures of the species and give an indication of whether they were solitary or lived in groups like modern lions. Hmm. There is a cave painting in France that shows a group of cave lions hunting a bison, but art is not a strong piece of evidence. No. And so the jury's still out on whether or not the species hunted in groups, and it's kind of guesswork at this point. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yes. And there is also discussion about bringing back the cave line. No. Which would actually be easier due to than do the current project working on the woolly mammoth, because cave lions are a younger species than the woolly mammoth, and scientists suggest they could supplement parts of the genome of the cave lion with genes from the African lion. Obviously, that is far away from being possible. And Let's at, not do it. <laughs> Let's not do it. And at the moment, um, and currently, they are working to sequence the genome of Sparta and Boris. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's crazy. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, speaking of cool, <laughs> do you like that segue? Yes. Um, <laughs> also, I'm the depressing person today. How dare you? Yeah, I'm, I'm evil. What are we, we going to do? Um, this article, it's title. I always like to read the titles because sometimes they're silly. This one's not silly. This one's sad. Melting sea ice could wipe out 98% of emperor penguins by the end of the century. Mm-hmm. I know it's very sad. Um, so emperor penguins, they're the largest species of penguins, are unlikely to survive past the end of the century if current rates of greenhouse gas emissions and melting sea ice continue, according to researchers. So a new study by international team of penguin experts has revealed that 70% of emperor penguin colonies in, in Antarctica could become extinct by 2050 if the current rate of sea ice lice... What? That's not it. <laughs> Sea ice loss. Try yeah. that again. God, can you imagine sea lice? See, what did I say? Sea loss ice? That was weird. Okay. There actually is sea lice. Gross. Okay. <laughs> um, sea ice loss continues, and that 98% of the colonies could be wiped out by um, 2100, obviously. That feels like military time, anyone. Um, <laughs> under the most extreme scenarios. This would make the species quasi extinct, meaning that despite having remaining individuals, the species would not recover and it would eventually die out. Yes. Um, Functional extinction is another term for that. Yes. So I'm going to skip ahead. Obviously, I'll share the article, but I'm not going to read the entire thing to you here. But um, essentially, they get into something we've discussed with other issues before. Um, So essentially, so the melting sea ice, the main problem facing the emperor penguins is a loss of sea ice in Antarctica, resulting from rising global temperatures. Emperor penguins depend on sea ice for breeding, molting, and feeding. Um, And then... Um, I'm getting to the, the bad stuff where it specifically says why it's a problem. Here we go. There we go. So, um, if there's too little sea ice, chicks can drown when sea ice breaks up early. Um, Genovier said, that's the person who they're speaking to about this. Um, if there is too much sea ice, foraging trips become too long and arduous and the adults and chicks may starve. But computer simulations predict that if current rates of ice loss continue, the Goldilocks zone will disappear in most places on the Antarctic coastline, which could cause, wi- cause widespread breeding failures. Such a stupid term. I'm sorry. What? And prevent... Breeding failures is like you're failing to actually produce offspring. <laughs> not that your offspring is dying. Anyway. Um, it would okay, cause, biologists, we're not very creative with our naming. Obviously not. Um, <laughs> could cause widespread breeding failures and prevent populations from recovering. So, certain colonies have already experienced breeding failures due to melting sea ice. For example, sad news coming up, in 2016, melting sea ice led to a massive breeding failure in the colony at Haley Bay when 10,000 chicks drowned after an early ice melt, dumped them in the water before they had grown their waterproof feathers, the researcher noted in the paper. That's terrible. Um, And then the new findings will also have implications for a wide range of other species. 
but emperor penguins are an indicator species whose population trends can illustrate consequences of climate change for other species, which happens with a lot of different species. Anyway, so that's like the basic of it. Obviously, I'm going to link the article, but um, so essentially we could just have more cases of 10,000 chicks drowning because the sea ice breaks up too early and they have not developed their little feathers yet. Um, so they're just, it's going to cause problems with breeding and feeding and all of these good things. So anyway, it's really, really sad. Um, and not like we don't know this already. Hey guys, we should do something about, about climate change and maybe actually take it seriously. So anyway, um, I will of course link the article. You can read the rest of it, but essentially it's, it's leading to mostly breeding failures, which is a stupid term. Oh, it's gosh. leading to genocide of baby <laughs> chicks. <laughs> By nature. <laughs> natural genocide, except mm-hmm. for human-caused natural genocide. Artificial so anyway. genocide. Sure. We'll go with that, sort of. Not really. Well, like, if there's natural selection, then there's artificial selection, which is caused by humans. Okay. I mean, sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my sad story. Yeah. By the way, I found the name of the documentary oh, okay. that I mentioned. Um, it's Dinosaur 13. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would they name it that? Okay. It was the 13th dinosaur they found? I don't know. I don't know. Did I say dinosaur? I don't even know. I'm losing my mind mm-hmm. today, obviously. But anyway, um, so yeah. So for once, Casey had kind of good news and I had bad news. <laughs> there we go. But I have to say, it is time for our picks. And Casey chose this time. And you chose a cute one, too. Yeah. We both chose cute animals. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. But Casey... What what was our, our category this week? We were picking our favorite Dutch animal. Of course we were. Because I'm a proud Dutchman. I guess we'll have to do an Irish one later. <laughs> Continue on. Yes. So I went with the European polecat. Okay. Tell us about them. Yes. So their scientific name is Mastella putorius. <laughs> okay. Yes. They are native to a small... <laughs> okay. I misread it. It's like... I was like... Did I miss... Okay. So they are native to a small region of North Africa, but the majority of their range comprises Western Eurasia. Okay. They typically live in lowland regions, including marshes and woodlands, as well as meadows. And they are 65 to 51 centimeters long, and weigh about 0.7 to 1.5 kilograms. Okay. In the wild, they live for about six years, whereas in captivity, they can live to be about 14. Okay. Their common name is a misnomer in that they are not a cat. Okay. But a member of the mustelid family, mm-hmm. which includes species like badgers, otters, ferrets, and weasels. And during the winter months, this species is much less active, which makes sense for this species' given body plan. Because the polecat and several other mustelids are outliers for mammals, in that they are small with a very long body. Yes. Which is a terrible design for a mammal. <laughs> like all mammals, the polecat is an endotherm, and produces their own body heat, which is problematic when you have a skinny long body, because mm-hmm. having a skinny long body means you have a larger surface area to volume ratio, which leads to rapid heat loss. Mm-hmm. And the driving force for the evolution of this body plan seems to be the emergence of grassland-like habitats. Okay. Because they had an abundance of burrowing prey items, like rabbits, groundhogs, and rodents. Okay. And there's actually a lot of interesting developments of um, in research of mustelid evolution with like how 
the Mustelas began and how they diversified because there was actually a fossil discovered this year that may change um, scientific interpretations of that. Oh, snap. So it's definitely something to read up on if you're interested. And the polecat's body plan, um, through this, understanding provides a good indication of its diet in that the prey it preys on rabbits, rats, and other small rodents, but they will also feed on amphibians and some birds. It can also be quite ferocious in that they will take down rabbits that are larger than themselves. Oh, snap. Mm -hmm. And they have a positive impact on humans by hunting rodents. They help to help prevent the spread of disease. And it is suspected that the European polecat is the ancestor to the domesticated ferret. Hmm, okay. And they are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. And the population is currently in decline. The biggest contributor to this species' decline is the loss or modification of its natural habitat. Okay, that's pretty standard for most yes. things. All right, well, that is a cute little mustelid. And hey, what do you know? I also chose one. My choice, my choice, I'm looking at the name and I'm saying things <laughs> wrong. My choice was the stoat, and their scientific name is Mustela. Or my or my nay? Is that how you said EA? Or my knee? Mm -hmm. One of those. Anyway. It is one of the most widely distributed carnivorous mammal on Earth. Look at us learning things. That's fun. Found throughout most of Eurasia and North America, as well as Greenland. There's also a population that was introduced to New Zealand, but that's invasive, not mm -hmm. natural. Anyway. They are sexually dimorphic species. Males reach 21 to 30. Nope, 27 to 31 centimeters long and weigh 200 to 455 grams. Whereas females can reach 24 to 29 centimeters long and weigh 140 to 280 grams. They live an average of five years with some individuals reaching eight years. They are an example of skinny morph of the mustelid. That's a real term. Yes, the two body plans used for mustelids are skinny morph and muscly morph. I want to know who came up with those because I like them. Okay. They are an example of skinny morph of the musclelid family and are actually a close relative of the European polecat and belong to the same genus, but are considerably smaller than the polecat. Given their body plan, it is no surprise that the stoat has a similar diet, which consists mainly of rabbits and water voles along with other rodents. They are ravenous hunters that will systematically search an area and will run in zigzag patterns while looking for prey. I love them more as I read this. Okay. When it does find prey, it will kill it by giving a single bite to the back of the neck with the exception of large prey requiring more effort. See? They're, all, they're better because it's a quick death. They're like, boom, you're gone. I'm going to eat you now. Um... It is not uncommon for this species to take over the den of its prey to claim as its own. Wow. And will have a series of dens throughout its territory that it will rotate through. They have summer homes. They have like three homes. Yep. I love them. Okay. Um, this species is listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. Their population is currently stable. And there are no wide range, or excuse me, range-wide threats that pose a threat to the species survival. There are certain populations that may be threatened by unrestricted hunting as well as habitat, lo habitat loss. But other than that, they're doing pretty well. They're also widely distributed, so you would imagine that they do. Anyway, they're adorable. I love that they're um, 
just all of these wonderful things that they're ravenous and that they <laughs> systematically search a place in zigzag patterns and have summer homes that are like probably not very far from their normal home. But anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> Casey chose a cute animal. Uh. It didn't even have to be a cute category. I don't remember what else there was in this, but I was like, I'm doing that adorable thing right there. <laughs> Anywho, so those are our favorites today. Once again, our favorite Dutch animal. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Well, whatever. <laughs> if you aren't Irish, you aren't Barish. I don't know. Barish? You can't beat it. <laughs> whatever. Um, and then uh, that brings us, of course, though, to our animal of the week, which I'm excited about. And our animal of the week is... The Bavarian Pine Vole. The Bavarian Pine Vole, because it sounds like it should be in, like, a Dracula novel or in D&D. Continue, Casey. Yes. Tell us about them. So, this is first rodent as an animal of the week. Oh, my gosh. Really? It took us that long to get to a rodent? Yes. <laughs> I'm shocked. Okay, continue. Yes. Most what? Most diverse mammals on Earth. <laughs> and we choose all the other mammals. Yes. It's fine. Like, so, as rodents, they come from the order Rodentia, and they come from the family Chrysetidae. Okay. And their scientific name is Microtus bavaricus. Okay. <laughs> These are endemic to the northeastern Alps of Europe. Once it was assumed they only live in one area, Garmisch Partikern in <laughs> Bavaria. Okay. Until that area was altered to build a hospital. It oh. was later discovered in other areas, but is now only found in the Rofen Mountain in Austria. Hmm. It specifically lives at altitudes ranging from 730 to 1100 meters above sea level. In its original location of discovery, it lived in alpine meadow habitat, but now only in the only remaining location is a mixed open forest kind of habitat. Hmm. Okay. Yep. They were very small. They are only about 98 millimeters in length. What? Yep. And weigh about 29.3 grams. What is that in centimeters? Millimeters are tiny. It's about 9.8. That's not very big. Okay, nope. continue. So, they are herbivorous. Mm -hmm. And that is the most conclusive thing I could find on their diet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. They are a poorly studied fossorial rodent. Okay. And fossorial means that the species lives primarily underground. Mm. And like many other rodents, they are nocturnal and are mostly active at night, foraging while they rest during the day to avoid predation. Okay. And much of the information currently available comes from research done on just 23 specimens in museums. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so a lot of this is more about their evolutionary studies than actual biology, because I could find very little. <laughs> okay. And I struggle. So there have been phylogenetic studies to research the evolution of rodents in Europe and see how this species would relate to other voles. And one study published back in 2007 looked at the karyotype and phylogenetic analysis to research the speciation of rodents that may have been due to the isolations from glaci the glaciation during the late Pleistocene. Okay. Yes. Now, one thing I should clarify, a karyotype, for those that do not know, is the number and size of the chromosomes that an organism has. Oh. Yes. Never heard that before. Really? 
Well, I mean, maybe back in like science class back yeah. forever ago. So like but... humans, we have 46 and there's different kinds of chromosomes. There's like acrocentric chromosomes where they're not, un they're unequal arms of the chromosome. Okay. And then there's metacentric ones where the, it's called a centromere, which is basically kind of like, that's where the spindle fibers, if you remember basic biology from cellular biology for like meiosis, mitosis, the centromere is where that connects. No, don't remember that. <laughs> but yeah, so they were looking at the size, shape, and number of chromosomes in different rodents, including different vulv species. And they found that the Bavarian pine vole has a karyotype almost identical to that of the Lichtenstein's pine vole. These are amazing. <laughs> Bavarian and Liechtenstein, I love it. Okay. Yes. They were also they there was also an analysis done on the DNA sequence of their cytochrome B. And cytochrome B is a protein located in the mitochondria. It is often used in phylogenetic studies, given that it is a basically a universal protein in animals. And this analysis also showed that Bavarian pineville is closely related to the Liechtenstein's pineville which suggests that the Bavarian pine vole originated from a subpopulation of the Liechtenstein's pine vole. Okay. It also showed that the other species of pine vole in the same genus, Microtus, um, form what's called a monophyletic lineage. Okay. That means that you can trace all these species within the genus to a single One ancestor. ancestor. Okay. Yes. And this shows that there was a speciation events in the ancestor that led to multiple species that became later became isolated and we see today and their closest relative as i mentioned is the lichtenstein's pine vole has a generation length of one year which suggests that the bavarian pine vole also has a short lifespan likely two to three years okay mm -hmm. and this species is an example of a lazarus taxa what is that so in the realm of conservation biology and ecology it's also used in paleontology but it kind of has a different definition um are these organisms that were thought to be extinct, but then later were rediscovered. And we have talked about Lazarus taxa already on the podcast. Yeah. One of those was the South Island Takahi. Mm, okay. In the case of the Bavarian pine vole, um, there was no specimens recorded after 1962, and it was presumed extinct until a population was discovered in 2000. And the species is currently listed wow. as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List. And the population is currently in decline. And the most serious threat to the species is loss of habitat. And as I mentioned earlier, the original location of discovery was a meadow-like habitat. Mm -hmm. But its current range is suspected to be used, um, was where it is now found, was suspected to be used for raising cattle until about 2005. Hmm. And now with the absence of cattle, the forest will become denser along with more intense forestry practices and so more habitat, uh, the meadow habitat will be lost. That stinks. Mm -hmm. And even though the species is protected under local laws, the site where it is found is not protected, and there is no national or EU laws protecting the species. Oh, no. There are also no conservation management plans enacted to preserve the species, and um, researchers suggest that needed actions to protect the species include conducting surveys on the population, see the size and growth, I'm searching for other sites where it may live, as well as protecting the habitat it currently lives at. Has, yeah. Poor little things. Mm -hmm. Also, why do you want to get rid of a meadow? I want to go run around in a Bavarian meadow. 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's like, you know, fairy tale esque. <laughs> All right. Well, Casey. Allie. That's the end of our, our awesome Bavarian Pine Bowl, right? Yes. I do love it. Um, so, what did the penguin say when their best friend was going on vacation for the summer? Eyes mm. for you to drop by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Close. But yes, I stole that from the Incredibles. They're leaving, but they're leaving them. So, okay. what'll I do without you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is like i remember when a kid we got we bought the dvd for um march of the penguins yeah i still haven't seen that yeah i have and i remember as a kid i found that so boring and did not finish it oh really yes and it's like funny because like i could have sworn i watched something very similar to it where they're just following penguins the whole time like penguin on um disney plus no it was on tv okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Also, I have to... I didn't use this one because it's not a pun, but when I was at the park, one of the tram drivers said this one. Um, what side of a zebra has the most stripes? What? The outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I found it fun, but mm -hmm. it's not a pun. Ha! I rhymed. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that brings us to our challenge... So, for the challenge today, we were going to do cups, but then I realized that I'm pretty sure I mixed up the correct answers that we've done and the ones we haven't done, so now we can't do cups, and I don't know how we're going to fix that. So, that's really fun. So, instead, we're going to do an alphabet challenge, and we're going to do the one that we were going to do last time it was my choice, but we're actually going to do it this time, and do the mm -hmm. um, choosing animals that have the ending, the ending letters, the first letter of the next animal. You know right. what I mean, so... right? So... We will start... What it ends with, you have to start the next one with? Yeah. So if it was like elephant, you would start with a T. Okay. So we are going to use the Bavarian Pine Vole. Oh, good. Ease. We're really good at those. Um, I'm going to say also elephant is banned. Elephant is banned? we use elephant all the time. Okay. Um, okay. So we're going to start with that, and then we just go back and forth. Five minutes on the timer? Yep. Cool. Ready to go? Mm -hmm. Oh, who's going first? I'll go first. Okay. So it's Bavarian Pine Vole. So, so E is what you're starting with. Okay. okay. So go. Egret. Okay. Um, T mm -hmm. is, I don't want to use a tiger because it's so obvious. A tetra. Tetra. A. Agouti. Agouti. I. Um, we're going to wind up doing all the same things again. I don't want everything to be the same. Um. Ellipse and water book? Is that an E or an I? I don't know. I think it's an E. Okay. We'll not go with it then. Uh, iguana. Fine. I guess I'm going boring. <laughs> a. Okay. American bison. Okay. Bison. N. This is, this is N where we had a lot of issues with O's last time. Um, a. I always do that. I'm not going to do it today. Um, a. Why is that difficult? <laughs> a. I'm like Nidarian. That's not a thing. A, it starts um, with C. Uh, a, a needle fish? No, a needle nose something. A needle nose fish? Is that a thing? Yeah. I feel like that's a thing. There's a needle nose something. It's technically a family. Is it? Yeah. Okay, fine. 
Um, then a... We just did one not long ago. As an animal of the week or what? No, in our F up, fuck up. In the, I'm, um, oh. From Cups. I don't, from Cups. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, um, mm. a, that's not a thingy majiggy. Why is this so hard <laughs> right now? Oh my gosh. This is the worst. Um, okay, fine. I'm sorry. I'm doing it. Northern White Rhino. Oh. I don't want to do octopus. I know, right? Oh my gosh. I take it back. Neon Tetra. Yeah. There. Neon Tetra. Oh my God. That's better. A. A coochie. <laughs> a coochie. No, there's a coochie and then a coochie. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. You're saying different things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, are you giving me a fucking eye again? <laughs> You're the worst. Um... Italian Greyhound. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. D. God damn. I literally could have said a Newfoundland. A Newfoundland. I could have just gone dogs. D, D. Why can't I think of D now? That one should be a lot easier. I don't want to do dog. You could do a specific dog. Dalmatian. There you go. N, damn it! See, I know an N one right off my head. God. That you never use. That I never use? Yeah. Oh, a narwhal. I've done that before, but... Oh, that's not what I was thinking no, of, but okay. but, yeah. L, lionfish. Okay, fish. H? Mm-hmm. Um, a... Um, uh, oh my gosh, what are they called? I've blanked on their names, so I'll go with the heron. N. Nimbat. Oh, I never use that. You've used that before, too. T? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to say a... Well, I can change it if you want. <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll go with it. A, um... I just don't want to use really basic stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we've used that before. A... Tamarin? Tamarin. That's yeah. a thing, right? Okay. Oh, good. N. N. <laughs> Nightingale. Oh, there we go. E. I don't want to do eland and I don't want to do elephant. <laughs> um, a. Ellipse. No, that's an A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like ellipse and water buck. Um, um, an eastern crown ca- crane. Oh my gosh. <laughs> e. Hmm. Oh, electric eel. Oh, that's cool. L. Um, a. I don't want to do lion. A Leon burger. R. Red ruffed lemur. Cool. R again. <laughs> um, Rhodesian Ridgeback. K. Wait, we don't get a lot of Ks. K. I don't want to do kangaroo. I was like, there's a very Can I do a kangaroo one. rack? You, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. T again. Um... A, I'm pretty much trying to just go down the line of dogs now, <laughs> which is bad. Uh, a Tibetan Mastiff. F. Frogfish. That's a thing? Yes. H? Cool. Is that where we are? Mm-hmm. Um, a, um, a, uh, I'm trying to say a Humphrey fish, and that's definitely not a thing. <laughs> 
A humpback whale. E. What the hell? Why do I always get E, I feel like? We both get E a lot. A lot of things end in E, we have discovered. But a few things start with E. Elephant fish. Okay. There's an elephant fish as well? Yes, it's a species of chimera. Give me another H. Okay, um... Uh, a Watson. Oh, uh, yeah. N. <laughs> uh, let me think. I've used Nimbat. Mm-hmm. I used Nightgale. Mm-hmm. Nightjar. Okay. Is that an R? Yes. A, um, <coughs> super basic ring-tailed lemur. <laughs> Have fun with R again. <laughs> R, 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 R. Red? No, wait. You just started one. Red eye tree frog. Okay. G? Oh, look at us switching it up now. A? Oh, I don't want to do giraffe. Hemsbach. They start with a G, right? Yes, they do. Ha ha. And K. K again. Not doing kangaroo. Nope. Clip Springer. Oh, yeah. R? Radiated tortoise? Is that what they're called? Yes. Okay, cool. E. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've done elephant shrew. I've done elephant fish. I'm yeah. not doing elephant. No. <laughs> oh, wait. Electric catfish. Okay. H again? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, A... Um, fine, I'll do it to you. Humpback anglerfish. <laughs> it's horseshoe crab. Oh, damn. Okay. A bee? Mm-hmm. Because we're different. A Barbary sheep. P. <clears throat> Purple urchin. Okay. N? Oh, God. <laughs> um. I don't know why that's so difficult. It should not be that difficult. I just thought of one, and I was like, how did I never think of that? Um. Oh, I said I could do it earlier. I'm going to do it, because I didn't do it. Newfoundland. Ah, D. D. Damn it. <laughs> that's not one. <laughs> Diamondback rattlesnake. There you go. What is that, an E? E. Um... I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do an elephant offshoot. Um, or an eland, because oh I do God. them a lot, too. A, um... Um... Why can't I think of any dogs that are E's? I feel like there has to be a dog that's an E. Did you already do an eastern diamondback rattlesnake? No. Great, there we go. E. Yep. <laughs> Emperor Penguin. Oh, God. How dumb. N. Oh, gosh. Here we go again. A Norfolk Terrier. What the? That's an R. Hmm. God damn it. My God. Um, you gotta be kidding me. I not do. I am. I already said lionfish. I'm not doing red lionfish. No. 
Oh, Reese's macaque. Reese's like the candy? <laughs> it's not how it's spelled. It's been over five minutes. I feel like we've been doing this more than five minutes. I think I did ten. <laughs> Casey, how far are we? Thirty seconds. Oh my god! Okay, I guess we're just doing ten today. <laughs> what did you say, macaque? Is that a K? No, it ends with an E. Oh my gosh, Casey. Okay, like we're getting a lot today. Um, a thirty seconds. We're gonna run out though. A um. There's an elegant. Uh, oh, that's a resplendent quetzal. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, that was... We just... We screwed up twice today, Casey. Oh, my lord. Okay. You say something interesting while I look at how, how many we got right. Okay, um... I don't know. I started to look for... Because I feel like it, and there has to be an animal that starts with elegant. So I Google animals that start with elegant. What is elegant Margaret? What? 39. 39? Yeah. We usually don't do anywhere near that much. Elegant margarita rat. <laughs> That's not it. <gasps> There's something with elegant, though. Elegant water shrew. Elegant rice rat. Elegant myotis. None of these. It's like a type of bird, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. Well, we failed horribly. <laughs> so anyway, we got 39, but really that should be half of that, which if it was 40, would be 20. So we'll say, you know, like 18, I guess, is what that would have been, um, is what we should have gotten. So, oops, we're just, we're struggling today. Yep, okay, he's sad. Anyway, um, thank you for listening, though, to episode 57. Yep, 57. Yes, it is. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs>